All right, everybody, happy Father's Day. How many of you know you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your father? Or your mother? Especially your mama, right? All right, I told the first group, I can't start Father's Day sermon without a corny dad joke. And I told him, no matter how bad it flops, I'm going to share it in the second service. So are you ready? You know what the difference between Dubai and Abu Dhabi is, don't you? In Dubai, they don't like the Flintstones. But in the people in Abu Dhabi do. It was better in the first service, what? All right. Father's Day in a country where the most recent addition to the Supreme Court could not tell us what a woman is. They didn't ask her what a man is. There is a war on biblical masculinity. In fact, there's a war on manhood masculinity there's a spirit in our culture emasculating men making them spineless and in some cases making them something other than a man nancy piercy's book which i was i came across it listening to a podcast with elisa childers and her i'm going to drop it in the comments on the facebook post for this service um, you can see the picture of it the toxic war on masculinity. In it, she talks about the fact that recently the Washington Post front page said, why can't we hate men? The Huffington Post editor who wrote, my New Year's resolution in 2023 is to hate all men. On Amazon, you can buy the t-shirt that says, so many men, so little ammunition. And we have book titles now on Amazon. One title, I Hate Men. Another, No Good Men. Another, Are Men Necessary? Recently, a man wrote a book last year. And in it, he said, talking about healthy masculinity is like talking about healthy cancer. Just recently, the director of the movie Avatar, James Cameron, was in the news saying testosterone is a toxin that you have to work out of your system. What a day. That's our culture. I found it a little bit funny last week when the liberal woman made a TikTok post, and I'm sure she didn't think it would go viral, and she was complaining about the fact that she couldn't find a conservative man or a masculine man, unless they were conservative. <laughs> you make your bed, you got to lie in it. All by yourself, sister. <laughs> Here at Restoration, it's one of our core beliefs. One of the two or three most important callings throughout the years of my ministry is to do my best to help men be real men, real men, men of faith, filled with the Spirit, men of the Word. And real men is about building men who their wives are not afraid of them. 
their wives are glad that they're involved with other men. Building a real man is a, a man that his children, he loves them well. Here at Restoration, the call this morning is to men and to a church that God would empower us. I don't stand here today because I'm the best one or a perfect one, husband, father, or leader. But I'm a passionate one, and I'm a sincere one. And I understand what the Word calls men to do and to be. And here in the South, I'm glad I'm raised in the South. I'm glad I wasn't raised on the left coast. <laughs> and I know a lot of you left coasters have moved here. But we're in the South, and we say, yes, sir. Can I get a witness? Turn and tell somebody, tell them, you say it like this, yes, sir. Just say it. Here in the South, we say y'all. And we say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and please, and thank you. And men still hold the door open for a real woman to walk through. Can I get a witness? And we're going to insist that our sons do the same. And so don't be offended. If a real gentleman demonstrates what a real biblical man looks like, just receive the blessing. You know, I was sharing with Candace this morning. She said, so what are, what are you preaching? And I read one of the main verses of the passage that we'll look at. And I said, I'm, the title this morning is Firewall, that being a firewall is what fathers are. That there's certain things that a dad, it's the firewall of fatherhood, of fathers. There's certain things a dad just stops and it can't get in. And you know what a firewall is, right? In the computer world, I'm no big technology savvy person, but I do understand the need for a firewall. There are viruses. Companies, it's a separate piece of technology, hardware that it'll let things leave that company and get out. But there's certain things you either have to be on the list or approved and they won't let it come in because there's um, viruses that could destroy the company and the database and cost them millions. God's looking for some men like that, fathers who will be a firewall. I said to Candace, that's what fathers are. And she's to their families. And Candace said, that's what men are to the world. They're firewalls. In construction, a firewall, if you're in a shopping center or an office complex, and one tenant is separated from the next, there's a firewall that divides them and protects them. The other walls in the business or the grocery store or whatever, they're kind of like paper walls. They're there and they just divide up space. And they go up to the drop ceiling and that's, that's it. But a firewall is where the end of their rented or leased space is and the beginning of the next tenant. And those walls go all the way to the ceiling deck, all the way up. And some of them are rated one hour or two hour or three hour firewalls. And if your rented space catches a blaze, there's a certain amount of time that firewall will hold and protect you 
from the fire. God's looking for some four and five and six hour, strong, sturdy, thick men who are full of God's spirit, who will say to the devil, "Uh uh-uh, that fire can't get here. This fire is gonna get there. That's what God's looking for. And that's what God's calling us to be as men. Today, I wanna just remind you, and I know this isn't popular, but hear me, it's the truth of God's word. When God looks to do something in the earth, he starts with a man. Adam was first, and then he formed the woman, the estrogen. He formed the woman out of the man. The woman in the man left, and she became Eve. God starts with a man. He would start with Noah, restart with Noah. He would start with Abraham, with Moses, with David, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And then God became a man in Jesus. And listen to me. God uses the man as what we teach in the Iron Man breakfast. He, man is the initiator, even intimately. Life flows from and through the man to the woman. And she, she receives the seed of life. And she nurtures and sustains. And it takes both of those for God to do in the earth what he wants to do. And if he can confuse those roles. And we are in a season where those roles are so confused. Brothers and sisters, with a broken heart, I say, a man can't get pregnant. What, what, what have we come to in our world? What world are we giving our children that they can be taught such ungodly, unbiblical blasphemy? At young ages, thank God for the people who are now standing up, not as some right-wing bigot, but someone who says, like those precious Latino Catholics said out in Los Angeles on Friday night, you can't bring these sisters of perpetual indulgence and cross-dress and dance around the cross of Jesus like it's a pole. You can't do that. God, help us to stand in this hour and be a firewall. And you're going to tell me, Los Angeles Dodgers, you're going to tell me, you're going to say, okay, we're not going to give them that ungodly group, confused as they are. We're not going to give you the Community Hero Award. And then GLAAD and other organizations come down on the Dodgers. And the Dodgers say, okay, we will do it. And you're going to honor them at a game time with a Community Hero. What has happened to our nation? And who will stand up and be the firewall I will. I will. And this, this church is filled with a bunch of men who were raised by yes sir and no sir dads. 
And if you're here today and you go, Pastor Chuck, I always hate Father's Day because I didn't have that model. Well, welcome to restoration. Hear me, hear my heart. Because we, when we say we don't just do church, I don't just preach sermons. I don't come up here with something to say that I think I'd like to say. I don't come up here to hear myself talk. I wrestle with the Lord. I sleep little on Saturday nights, burdened with what God is bringing me, or having me to bring to you. This is a place where people can experience transformation. We have people who have come out of homosexuality. Young and old, we have people who are navigating the challenges of sexual dysfunction. And you're in the right place. We're not like the church at Corinth where Paul said, your problem is you got 10,000 people who want the microphone and want to be on stage, but you don't have many fathers. What people need are fathers. And I told the first service, I come and I talk to you like I would to my own children on Sundays. And what I would tell them things growing up that they may not want to hear. There would be times our relationship would struggle, be strained, because they wanted to do something that this firewall. I couldn't let them do it. I'll never forget. I've told some of you this story before. Our oldest daughter was pretty little blonde, athletic. When she started getting prettier and curvier, you know what I mean? She got the attention of upperclassmen. He was a junior or senior, and she was a freshman or sophomore at that time. I think she was a freshman. And Candace told me about the guy who was showing interest, and she, she didn't say it these words, but I knew what it was. She's, he's a player. And he found him a pretty little underclassman that he could kind of impress and it, it did not sit well with me. And I had her cell phone one afternoon when a text came in from him. And I read that text, and I got his number, and I sent him a text from my cell phone. <laughs> True story, I promise the Lord, my witness. I said, dear so-and-so, I know what kind of guy you are. You're a player. I didn't know it, but Candace knew. Candace was an omniscient, omnipresent mom. How many of you were raised by an omniscient, omnipresent? She informed me, so I said, dear so-and-so, I understand what kind of guy you are. As of today, I'm telling you, you are not to be in touch with my daughter. Don't talk to her, look at her, be near her. Don't send her any messages. God bless you, Chuck Ramsey. <laughs> I'll tell you, I've never sent a text that felt better when I hit send than that one. And we never told, it was years later, we never told Erica that we did that. Until she got married. And her husband thanked us for it. She came home just a few days after I sent that text, perplexed, like needing counseling for, she told Candace, she goes, it's like I don't even exist anymore. He won't even look at me. He won't even be near me. And Candace was thinking, you don't exist anymore in his world. 
How many of you know what we need are a bunch of firewall dads who'll stand up full of the Spirit of God saying, I'm going to protect my house. In the book of Isaiah, there's four chapters we're going to look at, just highlight to get to really the last of the four, Isaiah 39. But I have to set it up. You're going to be, if you can listen and concentrate, you're going to be blown away at the parallels of what we're dealing with culturally, spiritually in our world today. But I want you to first look at this map and you'll see there's three people groups, geographical territories that I want you to be aware of. One is Assyria. See it up there in that kind of purple green area? That's the whole Assyrian empire. Just below that is Babylon. Assyria at this time is the most powerful. Ruling Babylon would kind of be a close, a, a second, but a clear second. And then over here in the brown little areas, the divided kingdom, the people of God, yet the northern kingdom, Israel, southern kingdom, Judah. And this is where we'll pick up. Hezekiah is the king in Judah. And um, what you should know is Babylon and Judah they're kind of like drawn together because they each have a common enemy. It's like your enemy is my enemy. It's kind of like Georgia Bulldogs and Florida Gators don't like each other, right? Unless one of them is playing Alabama and then they like each other. It's the truth, right? We root for anybody playing Alabama. Can I get a witness up in here? Not everybody, but that's how it is in these parts. That's how it was. So Babylon and Judah were, were drawn together. When I tell you, please listen, this is what kept me at night awake last night. The word of the Lord for the, the Bible, when I say it's alive, this isn't preacher talk. There's a rhema word for us to get in our spirit, in our church. God's going to do some miraculous things in some church. The churches that will welcome his word, embrace it, welcome his spirit that empowers us to live according to his word. This is a powerful rhema word. In, in, in Isaiah 36, we start. Everybody listen, before you go anywhere looking at anything, everybody look right here. You're going to see clear psychological warfare that's demonic. You're going to see clear demonic disinformation, not miss, this, intended to be disinformation. And what will, that, what will that instill? Fear. And that will be the thing that the wicked Babylonians and Assyrians were going to use to control the people of God. Fear. In Isaiah 36, verse 4, the field commander or the general for the Assyrians said to them, hey, tell your king, Hezekiah, this is what the great, oh, intimidating, scary, the king of Assyria says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? And I don't have time to stop, but I would ask it. On what are you basing your confidence in this hour? The next election? Your 401k? Or your faith? Verse 5, you say you have counsel and might for war, but you speak only empty words, you people of God. On whom are you depending that you would rebel against me, the strong Assyrians? And then he lists three or four people right here or things 
that they were basing their confidence in. And it's all about disinformation, psyops, psychological warfare. He says, verse six, look, I know how you're depending on Egypt. You think you've got this ally first. Number two, in verse seven, but if you say to me, we're depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one who's, here we go, disinformation, whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar. That is a clear misrepresentation of what Hezekiah had done. Hezekiah was a good king. He reordered and fixed the worship, the temple. And there's always a battle around the worship. Once you fix it, doesn't mean it's forever fixed. But if you fix the worship, you'll fix the culture. And he says, he's playing on some of y'all didn't like what he did when he fixed the worship. He's like, you can't depend on that God or that king. Verse eight, come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. It's just appeal to military strength. It's a political ploy. Don't trust your God. Verse eight, come now, make a bargain with me and my master. Verse 10, I'm sorry. Furthermore, have I, and this is just an outright lie, have I come to attack and destroy this land without the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Everybody look, here's a politician, a general from the Assyrian army going, I can talk religious too. In fact, the Lord's the one who told me to come to you. And they had to know, which you need to know, oh, if I could scream this, you need to have discernment in this hour. Jesus said, when the disciple says, what would it be like in the last days? He said, you, bet you need to be discerning and don't be fearful because what you're going to discern to be the truth can be overwhelming, but don't be fearful. In this hour, he calls out and says, oh, the Lord sent me and they had to, and you're going to have to do this to people that may look and sound trustworthy. You're going to have to say your Lord ain't my Lord. Your Lord is a Lord, but my Lord is the Lord. Are y'all out there? You got you to gotta be able to do that. Verse 11, then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah. And the, these are the people of God who work for King. These are the good guys, the Israelites. Please speak to your servants in Aramaic since we, don't, since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew and the hearing of the people on the wall. Here's what he's saying. Everybody listen. I don't want the people to get the news. Speak to us in Aramaic. We're educated and the leaders, the elites can speak a language that they can't understand. You see the parallels? And what did they do? They didn't speak to them in Aramaic because they wanted all the people to hear the stuff that would instill fear. What verse am I on? 13, then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, and here he is to intimidate. Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you. And now we're bringing accusations against the leader to get you to, for him to be discredited and become someone that the people wouldn't trust. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord. When he says, 
The Lord will surely deliver us. Verse 16. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me. Come out to me. And then he tells them, I'll give you, you'll live in a fat house. It'll be a fat culture. It'll be just sweet. Follow us. Verse 18. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Have the gods of any nations ever delivered their hands from the hand of the king of Assyria? One full chapter of Psyops. Verse 30, chapter 37. When King Hezekiah heard the report from Isaiah and what was happening, I should say, he tore his clothes, and here's the beauty. We see a good spiritual leader put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord to do what? To worship, pray, inquire of the Lord. He sent his staff to Isaiah. Go find out what the word of the Lord is. Go find out what the prophet, what is God saying? They reported to him what had happened. Verse 5, when King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, tell your master, this is what the Lord says. How many of you want to know what the Lord says? How many of you are glad God is speaking? Come on, somebody. I know, we don't have another service. We've got to hurry to get through. Seriously. How many of you want to go to a church where you hear the word of the Lord, not the pastor's opinion? Come on, how many of you want to get, sit in his presence and not hear a TED talk? You want to hear the word of the, not a sermon, but a message from the Lord with an anointing that breaks the yoke. Come on, somebody. Don't read that stuff and miss it. I keep losing my place, but I'm excited. Anybody know where I am? There's division in the house. Uh, where am I? All right, five or six. I'm going to just go back. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, tell your master, this is what the Lord said. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king, those little peon pawns of the king of Assyria, have blasphemed me. Now, I just want you to know, the prophet says, this has moved beyond cultural preference and racial bigotry. God has been offended. He's been blasphemed. How many of you know that's where we are in our culture? Come on, that's where we are. Verse 14, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord. Again, praise the Lord. He knows where to go at least and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Then Isaiah, verse 21, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Again, thank God that there's somebody hearing what God's saying. A prophet. Here's what he's saying. Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. This is, what the, this is the word the Lord has spoken against him. Once more, a remnant of the kingdom. How many of you thank God for a remnant? How many of you know what it is? And you're glad you're in one. You're, you're a remnant person. This is what the Lord has spoken. Once more, oh, Assyria, you won't bring them down. There's always going to be a remnant. Once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above. That's a whole sermon, right? They'll be rooted because they're my people. All hell can be breaking out in the culture. They'll be stable, rooted, planted under the ground with roots. And they'll be fruitful and prosperous above the ground. How many of you know that's the people of God? 
Come on, somebody. Verse 32, for out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors. Oh, man, I got to stop and preach every other word. Out of Mount Zion, the mountain of praise where the people know the weapon of worship is the only weapon they need. The worshipers will be the survivors. I'm going to pause and let you just worship. Give yourself a 10-minute worship break right there. That's, that's speaking to us. Mm. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. We're almost there. Isaiah 38. In those days, Hezekiah became ill. Oh, shoot. And was at the point of death. Oh. God. What about all those words? And the prophet Isaiah went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Everybody listen, hear this. Put your house in order. Turn and tell your neighbor. Say, neighbor, put your house in order. Turn and tell somebody. Because you are going to die. Don't tell them that part. But do you know one out of one people do die? Verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed. Oh, you know, that, that's not the word I wanted from the Lord. Put your house in order because you're going to die. And he began to pray. Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, this is what the Lord says. I have heard your prayer. Thank God for God who hears prayers, right? I've seen your tears. Thank God for that God speaks that language. I will add 15 years to your life. Cha-ching, ding, 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 happy time, party time. 15 out, 15 years added to your life. How many of you will take that right now? You don't know when you're going to die, but whenever it is, you'll take 15 more years. That's what happens. How awesome is this? But there's a condition for it, and here we see it. I lost my place again. Y'all are getting good. Y'all should preach this time. And I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. Now listen, you're going to get 15 more years, but it's connected to a promise. And you will have a responsibility. And if you are responsible, that promise will come to pass. God says, I will defend this city. I'll tell you right now, if we'll do our part, we'll hear the voice of the Lord say right now, I will defend this nation. I will defend this city. Can't get any amens right now, but it's the truth. It's what the word of the Lord is. And maybe he won't spare the whole nation, but he'll spare his people because there's a remnant out of Mount Zion of survivors. Come on, a band of survivors. <laughs> Praise his name. Mm. Verse 19, the living, the living, they praise you as I'm doing today. And here's another one. Fathers, this is what we do. Dead people don't praise you, but alive people do. And there are people who tell their children about your faithfulness. I could park right there. Your children know what your priorities are. Your children know if you believe God is faithful. Your children know the passionate level of your faith. Verse 20, and see this picture these pronouns, talk about pronouns, choice right now. Identifiers, he says, the Lord will save me 
and we will sing with string instruments all the days of our lives in the temple. God give us a spirit that touches men in such a profound way that they touch their family. He says, God will do something in me and we will worship him. Are y'all out there picking up what I'm putting down? May he do something every man here. It's profound. All right, now to the end, the last chapter, and this is our text, Isaiah 39. It's the last chapter of this story, this powerful transitional time. Verse one opens up. Look at these three words. At that time, it's an inflection point. It's a Kairos season. It's what we're living in. At this time, Given all those three chapters, the Assyrians had come in and all the fortified cities in Judah, all those on the peripheral, they had seized them and taken captive. And they come to Hezekiah and go, hey, we, all, we already got all the big cities. Why don't you just surrender? Hezekiah would say, no, I'm a firewall. And I know what the Lord is saying. And here it is. At that time now, and I've been spared 15 more years. And he doesn't end well, unfortunately. And there are lessons for us to learn. Oh, God, help us men and women, parents in this room today, learn these lessons. At that time, how many of you know we live at a that time? This time is like one of those times. Are y'all out there? How many of you like, you really believe it? It's not just topsy-turvy. It's not just political chaos. The end of all things, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be in the days that the Lord returns. We're in one of those days. At that time, don't miss it. We talked the last three weeks about understanding seasons. At that time, Marduk Baladan, whoever that is, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, the Babylon's the king's assistant or son sent Hezekiah letters and a gift. Now they're going to buddy up to him and let's get a treaty. Let's get some political agreement together because he had heard of his illness and recovery. I want to stop right there. I didn't say this in the first service. Everybody listen. What we see when you read in 2 Chronicles where this same story is told in 2 Kings where the historical, I mean the historical documented evidence of this story is recorded there from a historical standpoint, not from a prophet. We see that these foreigners had heard that God had done a miracle in Hezekiah and they came to inquire. The sign and the wonder had gotten their attention and Hezekiah misses this moment and he's like, he moves in to talk in politics He's like, yeah, I know the previous chapter, God said, I will defend this city. But now I got some swag. I got some influence. And they're coming to me. And he gets prideful. And he walks them through and shows them his palace. Look what it says. Verse 2, Hezekiah received the envoys from Babylon. Showed them what was in his storehouse, the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine olive oil, his entire armory. Oh, you didn't do that, has he? And everything found among his treasures. Say the word treasures. What are your treasures? They're probably in your house. Things you've inherited 
and things you have begotten, your children. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah got word of this and he was upset. The prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked, what did those men say? Where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah. They came to me from Babylon. The prophet asked, what did they say? What'd you show them? They saw everything in my palace or my house. Hezekiah said, there is nothing among my, again, treasures that I did not show them. Isaiah now is upset. What are you thinking? You let them see our armory? You gave them a key to the door? You've hooked up with them? Then Isaiah, verse 5, here's the whole crux of the message. Said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your house and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day, your inheritance, will be carried off to Babylon. Please listen spiritually. Nothing will be left, says the Lord, and some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, your children, your sons, who will be born to you will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. This is Isaiah saying, Hezekiah, you didn't trust the Lord. You went and got political. Everything you've inherited, your dad, you're, you come from good stock. All they left you, it's gone now. And all you've got to give are your children. And Isaiah says, your own sons are going to serve in Babylon, castrated, no longer able to do what men were created to do. Instill and initiate life. And I... Hezekiah gets this message and listen to his response. This is so prideful. Verse eight, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good. Hezekiah, have you lost your ever-loving mind? The word, you think that's a good? You weren't paying attention. What's good about it? And then it says, for he thought, well, at least there'll be peace and security in my lifetime. Brothers and sisters, who will stand up in this hour? What will it cost us? I'm being recorded. This is going live across Facebook and YouTube or wherever it is. This is not an hour to shrink back and strike up ungodly peace treaties with allies that can't help. This is a time for people to stand up. Thank God for the parents who are saying to school boards across the country, enough is enough. Seriously, thank God for it. I'm not ready to do it, but I've asked myself, would I run for the Cherokee County School Board? I haven't had, I, if, if not me, who will? We'll get behind them. Will I stand up? Will I preach? I had a young guy in his 20s 
after the last service, he said to me, first time in our church, he has a family member who comes here. He goes to another church and he said, what makes you able to address the issues that others won't and to do it in a way that's receivable? Those are almost his identical words. You know what I said? Great question, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, boldness, clarity, anointing. And the anointing is when God speaks through a broken vessel and everybody goes, that wasn't Pastor Chuck. He's not that good. For real. Who will stand up? Who will be the firewall? Cheryl said after, the, we need a t-shirt. Real men do this, this, this. Firewall fathers. I like it. That's a new movement. How many of you men, there's something churning in you right now. And some of you, the enemy's trying to accuse you and go, sit down. You, you didn't even sound godly on the way to church. You tell the devil he's a liar. And you're not the only one. None of us are perfect. God doesn't use perfect people. He uses broken people who walk with a limp, who are crazy enough to care and believe this, this old book is still true. Man, I got, I, got some, I got some fire up in me right now. It's Father's Day. I got to go eat barbecue in a minute. But right now, I sense there's an anointing. There's a calling. Top of the balcony. All I see is silhouettes up there. He's speaking to you and calling you. He's calling you, Dad. And you're imperfection to just go, I'm crazy enough to care. I'm getting in the game. Real men, to summarize what we've just said, real men don't control their wives, their world. Real men walk in humility. Real men pray. Real men trust God and take his word and stand on it. Are y'all out there? Y'all seeing it behind me? Real men play the long game. What is, they don't play the short game. Everybody listen. We just saw it juxtaposed. You gonna be Babylonian or you gonna be godly? What is the spirit of Babylon? It's the spirit that's controlling business and the world right now. And it is when dads and moms sacrifice the long game for instant gratification. That's the spirit that Hezekiah gave into when he said, well, at least we'll have peace. We still got our beach house. Our children will never get to live in it, but at least we got it now. Real men go, uh-uh, I'm gonna play the long game. I'll sacrifice now. I'll sacrifice now the present for the future because the future matters. How many of you got grandchildren growing up in this world? How many of you got great-grandchildren growing up in this world? How many of you still care? We play the long game. God's looking for some firewall fathers. We're not those that do just the opposite. We say no pride, no prayerlessness. We say no fear. Can I get a witness? No fear. The psychological warfare is not going to instill fear. We're not going to be controlled by fear. We are not going to be controlled by fear. We're going to walk by faith and not by sight. We're going to be fearless. We're going to be courageous. We're going to be bold. 
It's requiring it, brothers and sisters. It's requiring it. Lukewarm, half-hearted, riding the fence, it's over. It's all in or nothing. And the Bible says, God says, I will defend the city if the people will stand up. No trusting government and politics. We're going to vote responsibly, biblically, prayerfully. And no living for the moment. Hallelujah. All right, I'm closing with this. You can hear some of this stuff and be overwhelmed or back up. Don't. Let the Holy Spirit empower you today. There's something, everybody in this room right now, there's something in your gut going. You may not even like me or this church. You might be here just because your dad begged you to come, but there's something in your gut going, he's right. He's right. Am I right? Look down your aisle. Tell our whole row, we believe it. It's the word of God. Amen. We believe it. So my Robert Murray McShane plan of Bible reading through the year, four different places I read every, every day. And this, this week I was in 10 chapters later. Somebody needs to receive this. Like Mary received the word from the angel. May it be unto me according to your word. Isaiah 49 verse 25 says, God says, I will contend with those who contend with you. How many of you are glad about that? And then he says, and your children, I will save. Who can just receive that? Come on. Who can receive it? The message translation says this, but God says, even if a giant grips the plunder and a tyrant holds my people prisoner, I'm the one who's on your side, defending your cause, rescuing your children. Does anybody understand what the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, when that word goes out, just soak it up, everybody, just receive it. God says, I'll rescue your children. I'll rescue, we need it in this day that we live in. I wanna ask everybody to stand. I wanna ask every man, young and old and in between, I want you to meet me here in the altar. And I want you, those of you even top of the balcony, come and come quickly. I want you to crowd in and those of you who are over here, leave room for them in the balcony to get all the way down so they don't have to stand on the steps. Could you ladies just praise God for what he's doing and giving us a great group of godly men. We praise you, Lord. Leave you enough elbow room. We're gonna, I'm going to ask you to do something in a second. Sometimes the things that we need to do the most feel the most awkward. Somebody say awkward. Women can tolerate awkward. Men cannot tolerate awkward. You ever? Some of y'all are golfers and remember learning how to play golf and somebody who knows how to teach you to build a proper swing They'll tell you something to do, and you're like, that, that feels so counterintuitive, but it's right. I'm going to ask you to do something that it's going to stretch you, but I don't want you to just do it physically. I want you to do it from your heart spiritually. I want to ask every man to just kneel down on both knees, and we come humbly before the Lord. And if those of you on the balcony, if you just need to take a seat, don't, 
don't, or go back up to the flat area or whatever you need to do. Just put yourself in a position where you say, I humble myself before you, Lord. I call out in prayer and receive. You said, the Lord says over and over, and something in me today is resonating with this message. Make me a firewall, Dad. Make me a dad who says, uh-uh, you can't get through here. That virus isn't going to get in on my people. Bless your name, Jesus. Just put yourself in a position to receive. God, see, this is it's the most beautiful thing I've seen in this church in years. Your countenances, men, seeing you in a position of humility before the Lord with other men. Oh, this is an army the devil hates this. Hell is trembling when men, men of faith, get on their knees in humility. Let's sing it out. The Lord bless you. Ladies, just stretch your hands and sing this. Keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face Just receive the blessing of the Lord, the favor of the Lord. Holy Spirit, be poured out in this place. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon and be gracious.
thousand generations. Come on. And your family and your children and your children and their children. They escape. Come on. Woo. And a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you and around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in your coming and your going in your weeping and rejoicing he is for you he is for you he is for you he is for you come on come on yes lord he is for you he is for you Put your hand on somebody's shoulder. Use both hands. Just pray over them. Firewall anointing. Moms, parents, single parents, single moms. In the name of Jesus. He'll be a father to the fatherless. He sets the lonely in families. This is a family. We are a firewall together. There's stuff, viruses. They're not going to get in here in the name of Jesus. God is going to defend this city. You just, come on, pray right now. Oh God, raise it, reveal yourself to them. Fill them with your spirit. Come on, let revival break out in their homes in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. We say yes, Lord. We humble ourselves, being men of prayer. We serve you. We love you. We worship you, Lord. We praise your holy name. We will not trust things of this world, the spirit of Babylon. We thank God for the political system and we pray for those leaders, but we don't trust it. We trust your kingdom in the name of Jesus. As for me and my house, we will always serve the Lord. We are, we will, we always will serve the Lord in the name of Jesus. Oh, I feel, I feel the anointing of God in this room. Come on, let heaven be released over your life, over your marriage right now. Let heaven be released. Let the kingdom of God come. Say yes to the Holy Spirit in your life. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Come on, yes, let's lift up a victorious shout in this camp. your name pastor Munn. i want to ask you would you come as you open up both services in um the worship declaration today over 40 years of his life he's given to this church 
And I was reading, amen. I was reading John Eldridge's old classic, which is actually better than the one everybody knows him for, Fathered by God. It's an amazing book, just in in preparing my heart for this service. And he talks about sages. There's men that get to that season of life and they get more done in that season than all the other seasons combined. And I, I, I didn't think a lot about it until you were leading us today. You are a sage. Your influence continues. This, this, is, this is your vision, Pastor Bud, and we honor you and Linda. I'm better because you're still on the team, not just showing up on Sundays but a vital member of the team. You still contribute to me. You're guardrails for me. And I honor you and I love you. You all are blessed because of the trickle down blessing of this man. Praise you, Lord. I love you. I want you to close us out just as you feel led. Father, we're so thankful that you love us so much that even now you embrace these men in your arms and draw them close to your side. We all need you, Abba. There are times that we don't feel strong enough, but you gather us up in your arms, you said, as the little lambs, and you carry us on your shoulder. And Lord, I just I heard your voice at this, in this altar for these men that you said for us not to say that we're not able, not to say that we, we don't have the strength, for you have given us your presence and your anointing, and your word, and your presence, and your angels, and your promises. And Lord, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So Lord, I thank you for these men. And now Lord, let us be a strong army for you. Let us stand shoulder to shoulder. Thank you for our pastor. Thank you for our shepherd, Lord, that loves us so much. And Lord, I pray for him and Candace and their family. I lift them up, Lord, to you and pray that you protect them, that you set a hedge of protection around them, that you set angels around them, oh Lord. We say no to any satanic attack that would come against them or against this church. Lord, we face you today and we lift our hands toward your presence and we say, Lord, you are our salvation. You are our future, and we are depending upon you, Lord. We thank you for all that you mean to us. Now, Lord, we go in your grace today, and we go in your strength. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.
Thank you, Pastor Mun. I want to make all of you aware that um, I don't know how you transition out of this, but I'll be in trouble if I don't tell you this. <laughs> They're hot boiled peanuts <laughs> out that way and ice cold Cokes. No Cokes. They're gone. Um, but water's good for you. All those other people, they're going to have gas and they're going to be filled. They won't even enjoy their lunch. They're out that way. And I know many of you go this way to um, get your kids, but come enjoy some with you. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn and tell somebody, I'm a firewall, bro. Turn and tell somebody.